Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to the World Soccer Talk podcast. Uh, It's Friday we're recording this. Thursday night was, of course, the uh, USA against El Salvador game. Uh, my name is Christopher Harris, and on the panel today we have Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, we've got a lot to cover. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of different places we could start. Um, but let's start with the USA against El Salvador, just because, you know, I mean, it's uh, you mean, just hours after the game. It, it's interesting, too, because this, is, this was... ESPN's last USA World Cup qualifier, uh, probably until about 2028. Uh, this is a report by uh, Jonathan Tannerwald in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. So it's going to be a long, long time before the US has a World Cup qualifier. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of the, the, the pre-game coverage? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was okay. I mean, I think uh, um, Casey Keller makes some decent points. Um, Kirk Gomez, I like, uh, I, and I and I think uh, Jermaine Jones is not. Maybe he's not getting enough reps. Right, we've seen guys like him if they're on enough, they 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 get better. But ESPN is showing maybe one qualifier or window. They're not using him on other uh, on, on other things. They could use him, for example, on Nations League. Right, he, he he's a uh, uh, German born and raised, so uh, he's a guy that. Um, um, or actually German raised, right? I think he was born in the United States, actually. But um, he's, he's uh, a guy that needs reps, you can tell. Uh, he's kind of, he, he makes some decent points, but he's kind of raw in his analysis. I felt like uh, outside of Herc, though, it's gotten a little more cheery, hasn't it? Um, about yeah. the U.S. Maybe responding to, to Paramount Plus and uh, uh, CBS Sports and Fox Sports, uh, coverage of, of of the u.s and and uh, actually I, I would think fox now is is on the back foot in terms of optimism versus cbs right cbs is, is we've talked about this before and we'll see them again this weekend but Kartik, uh, let's, let's talk about that cheery part because i i noticed that too um and i think it was like a post-match right as soon as seb salazar started talking even it was kind of like it's almost as if they're feeling okay we can't be too critical because then we're going to have a lot of the us mnt kind of fans on our cases saying we're anti-american you mean that's kind of you mean that's the feeling i got is there was points definitely at halftime certainly where they could have been a lot more critical a lot more analytical uh, in their analysis and post-match too where they just seem to come off as okay we got the win and casey said as you mean sometimes when you're not playing that well, you mean just uh, eke out a win is, is all that counts, and then we move on. But we've seen this many, many times. It's not like it's just like one bad game from the U.S. Uh, and like in the, in the actual commentary, 12-minute halftime, we're saying, like, hey, here we go again. It's a second-half team, first half. It just can't seem to get, get it going. But it did seem to be a little bit more cheery than in past, and probably more cheery than, say, even Fox, a Fox, I could, I could imagine Alexi Lalas, even, even Alexi Lalas, who is Alexi Lalas, going and saying, "This is not good enough. Where's the passion?" Oh, oh. well, actually, I think Lalas's reputation is unearned uh, for being overly cheery because I have seen him be far more critical of the U.S. when they don't play well than the analysts right. on other networks. To be perfectly honest, so I, I think it's it's really unfair. His reputation has been partly, uh, partly. Uh, created by a Twitter battalion, a Twitter battalion that still to this point has no 
sense of realism about the quality of American players or the quality of the national team. And I think that that now, the, the vocalness of that, that Twitter, and it's not just Twitter, it's YouTube. YouTube actually is more influential, I should say, than Twitter. The same, it's the same people on Twitter, but they're making YouTube videos that are, are um, slanting the perception of this national team, slanting the perception of this American uh, player court to the point where I think they created expectations these guys can't meet. So it's really unfair on the U.S. players. It's really unfair on the U.S. coaches. But with that in mind, you're seeing maybe some overcompensation from the media that covers the matches to where they're, 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 they're ultra-defensive. And they're, they're not, there's, a, there's a happy medium of, of being critical, but then not being uh, saying, oh, well, this is the greatest team of all time, and Burhalter should be sacked if they don't beat everybody 10-0, which is kind of the tone on YouTube. So uh, I, I think that there's been maybe a counter-reaction to that, because um, I do know media members that I talk to privately that have noticed this, this tone of U.S. MNT YouTubers and U.S. MNT uh, influencers on Twitter, people who get 300 likes for anything they tweet uh, that's, criti- that's hypercritical of the national team and particularly hypercritical of MLS, which is another thing. They, they, seem to be, um, they seem to imply if you don't think these players are as great as they think they are that you're anti-American, yet they don't like any player who plays in the, in the top U.S. domestic league. They think they're all terrible. So that's a inherent contradiction but yeah the cover, coverage of the national team just in general is, is 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 making me is turning me off the the domestic sport or not the domestic sport but the domestic national team sport the uh, the usmnt in particular and to a lesser extent the us wnt so i watched this match in spanish um I, uh, I did watch the pregame show, as we just talked about, but uh, between the cheeriness and the, the ticker, which was giving me uh, NFL news every second, look, if I, if I wanted to have news about the NFL, I'd actually watch the NFL. I don't watch the NFL. If I wanted NFL news in my face, I'd watch whatever NFL uh, shout show ESPN has. I don't do that. I don't need it during a soccer game, uh, yeah. constant NFL ticker news. So I, I switched to, to the NA. My Spanish is... Very basic, but I watched the entire match in Spanish, including halftime. So, unfortunately, I can't comment on the, the halftime uh, coverage. Yeah, it's funny, too, because um, when I was watching the game on ESPN2, I was, like, the first, like, 10 minutes, like, the, and and I don't watch a lot of Ian, ESPN normally, unless it's soccer. But on the bottom, the ticker, breaking news in red. I'm like, oh, holy shit. Did something happen? Did someone die? And it was like, okay, NBA All-Star team or something like that. I'm like, that's it? But And then throughout the whole game. So what I did, Kartik, I switched to ESPN Plus and watched the game on there. No, oh, no, no ticker. No ticker at all. And it's the same coverage, same halftime, same pre-match, same post-match, and so much better. So that so that's so I can, that's so I can probably go back and watch it on there now. So I'm, yeah. I, I I probably should do that. I probably will do that today. Yeah, it's interesting too because like from the last few games that the US have played, every single game has also been on, on ESPN Plus. So it seems to be that it, especially kind of the US Mexico game that was on ESPN Plus as well as ESPN Two, etc. So so that's a good play, a destination to go to. Um, these days I go to ESPN Plus probably first before I go to ESPN Two. But I started off at ESPN2. Actually, no, I did the pre-match on ESPN+, and then switched to ESPN2, and then switched back to ESPN+, Plus for the game. But it's interesting, though, Kartik, because with this game now uh, done in the can, uh, we've got the opportunity to actually watch all three networks, major networks in the U.S., soccer-wise, cover the U.S. national team. And we had ESPN, of course, on Thursday night. Uh, this Sunday is the Canada game, um, CBS Sports, and then next week is the uh, the game against Honduras on Fox. So we have an opportunity to do a side-by-side comparison. And what I feel like in terms of the coverage that ESPN did give us, I thought the match commentary was great. John Champion, Taylor Twelman, uh, no complaints. The TV production was great. I thought Sam Borden... Uh, pre-match on the sideline reporter had some really good insight in terms of the things that the u.s team were doing to stay hydrated and to stay warm and you mean those types of things which were very useful usually for the most part i'm not a big fan of sideline reporters because they they just don't add anything but sam definitely does a good job um watching the the pre-match halftime and post-match i was like i kept on thinking the person that's missing here and, and in 2022, it may not be the right person to put in that spot, uh, to be analytical, to be critical. And critical can be positive, too, as well as negative. It doesn't have to be always negative. 
But the person that I kept in my mind, that I kept on thinking of was Eric Winalda. And I thought Eric is probably the perf- perfect person who can cut through all the clutter and pinpoint and say, hey, here's exactly what the issue is with this U.S. national team and, and, and al- analyze it. And when you have the, the studio team that you have, Jermaine Jones is, is, that, is that person that, that they're trying to be, that critical, analytical person. But you're not getting it from him. And, and to me, like the reps, I agree, the more reps anyone does, the better they get. But this is a massive game. This is a World Cup qualifier. You don't give a guy reps just to kind of even get him ready for, I mean, what does what what ESPN have uh, in the future in terms of international soccer? Not much, right? They, they've lost the Euros. They don't have the World Cup. Um, they're probably not going to get uh, a lot of the U.S. games uh, anymore, maybe a friendly here and there. But you're unlikely to use Jermaine Jones that much anymore in the future anyway. And the UEFA Nations League, that's going away, I think, in, what, in, in the summer. They, they could, they it's, could it's use Fox. him on the ESPN FC show. They could use him on, uh, on, on Bundesliga coverage. But uh, in terms of that person, yeah, Winalda would be good. The other guy, I think, that could do that job, unfortunately, is now the boss of the men's national team, is, uh, is Brian McBride. He evolved as an analyst in his time, first at Fox and then ESPN, where he would talk about a lot of the concepts that I talk about when I watch this national team or I watch football in general, which is uh, attackers, runs, the use of space, drawing defenders out of position, which is you know another reason why I think uh, I don't want to be cr- too critical of Burhalter because I think, again, these YouTubers and Twitter people are out of control. But uh, Josh Sargent, to me, best U.S. player I've seen in this generation in terms of use of space, movement, et cetera, even if he's not scoring goals regularly at Norwich City. Uh, kind of strange he's not in this team. But yeah, so you need a guy like a McBride or a Winalda. I think maybe um, you need someone who also um, can, can, can uh, feed off of the things Herc says, because he says a lot of really important things that just kind of hang out there um, yeah. Yeah. and aren't what- followed up on. Yeah, Herc I like a lot, but more so I think he's better on the Football Americas show where he is saying, having a discussion about the things that often are, are, are not talked about, some of the big issues that need to be addressed. And Herc, you can tell when, he's, when you're watching the halftime coverage, you can tell he's concentrating, he's thinking, he, he's, he's a deep thinker, but it doesn't fit well with the rest of the crew there. I mean, Casey is great, he's decent, I mean, he's... Um, He's a nice guy. He will. I mean, he reads the game well, but he's not going to say anything too controversial. Uh, Seb is just setting them up, and Seb, Seb's great too. And Seb is better on Football Americas, and then Jermaine Jones is yeah is the weak the weak spot, and that's the part that you need to have the strength. But Brian McBride, I love him. Fantastic player, a nice man, but he's too nice. Yeah, and and I mean, with him having the role as the U.S. Men's National Team general manager, he's not going to be critical or right, really right. kind of on players in the squad so you need like a, a Winalda or you need someone that's actually the, the person I thought of first before I thought of Winalda was Twelman I thought Twelman would be better in the studio just deep dive here's what's happening here's, here's what's wrong so so here's a million dollar question about Taylor Twelman you only have one of him that's the problem right and I think that's a problem just in general for ESPN if they had two Twelmans this would go much better is he better as a co-commentator or is he better as a studio analyst? That's uh, something I think we grapple with because he's, he's maybe at the top of the list on both, right, for ESPN. But which, which is, he, is his utility greater on, co-commentary or studio? I guess it's co-commentary. I think they probably made the right call, but then the studio is, is inherently weaker because he's not in there. Yeah, see, I'm I'm the other way around. I think he's better as an analyst, studio analyst, um, as long as you can rein him in a little bit. But and in the co-com, uh, you could have someone. But who do you put in that position? So that of the people that you have available to you, Alejandro Moreno is not a popular person by a popular choice by any means. So yeah, they have a weakness there. They have a weak spot there. I think and, and Twelman during the game too. I mean, he was he was asking the question, which was a great question. 
what's happening with Christian Pulisic? I mean, you can see the way that he's playing, lack of confidence, not at his usual best. And Twelman was saying, like, there's, there's something deeper here. There's something wrong here. Something just doesn't seem right. And, and that's the type of analysis where maybe on a halftime show, he can go a little bit deeper and, and, and maybe Herc and him go back and forth about, hey, well, let's talk about this a little bit more. Like, what have you, you mean? So they can bounce off each other. Um, but yeah, sadly, this is the last U.S. World Cup qualifier that uh, ESPN is going to have uh, for the, the the national team in quite some time. So, what is the future for ESPN soccer coverage? I mean, of course, they have MLS rights, but that MLS deal uh, ends this year. We'll find out next year if they'll continue. Um, most of the coverage was is on ESPN Plus. I mean, Bundesliga, La Liga. Um, and, and, and various other leagues. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's that time, too, where, I mean, would Twelman be better suited going to a different network in the future that has more soccer coverage, that has U.S. rights? And I'm sure that's something that's been thought about. Well, so the Pulisic discussion is an interesting one because I think Twelman sees many of the same issues in his game that I have for years. Um, I know he does, actually. And, 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 and it's the same with a couple of other people who follow the national team and follow his career closely. But the YouTube uh, cadre that I mentioned earlier, they have so defined Christian Pulisic as this maybe top 10 global player who, uh, if he's not playing at Chelsea, it's the fault of the manager. Uh, of course, they're not at Chelsea training. They don't know what's happening. They're not in the Chelsea backroom staff. They don't know what's happening. They completely glossed over his final year at, at Dortmund where outside of the final month of that season, I, I would say he was pretty poor and was having a lot of games like he had yesterday, quite honestly. That reminded me more of the final season under Lucien Favre at Dortmund than, than anything else. Um, but I, I think that, that the stuff Twelman says then ends up being in a vacuum because there's no follow-up from other people who are covering uh, this national team or covering the sport in this country, right? There, there, there's, a, there's a tendency to not want to be overly critical uh, of US of star U.S. players and look at the flaws in their games. They're all really good players, right? Pulisic is an outstanding player. So is McKinney. So is Adams. But there are individual flaws in their games that prevent them from being elite players. And that is something that outside of Twelman, among match analysts, I think you don't tend to get uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, the U.S. men's national team and the way, and the way they're looking at individual players. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's the question. I mean, how many more, how do you replicate uh, Twelman's analysis and put it in other aspects of, of coverage on, on the various networks? And I guess you just don't. Yeah, the, tr- the tricky thing, too, is it, we're in the limbo land with ESPN because ESPN losing a lot of their rights and then those rights going elsewhere. Um, maybe ESPN isn't the place to go to have that really kind of deep analytical thinker i mean fox has gobbled up what the euros euro 2024 and 28 we'll get to that a little bit more in the news seg- segment uh, but we already knew that uh, as well as the world cup and, and gold cup etc so they've got a lot of international tournaments um and then cbs has a lot of the Concacaf rights so and the cbs seems to have a pretty solid crew well solid as in kind of almost permanent um and they have a very kind of feel good kind of soft approach to to the national team for the most part. I mean, the coverage is hit and miss, but but Fox, we know Fox, we all know Fox. They're the ones that have the biggest opportunity to improve. They're the ones that could benefit probably most from from a Twelman or from a deep analytical thinker that's really going to elevate the coverage um, on the international level when it comes, especially for domestic United States. I, I've got to point this out. Let's see how CBS does on Sunday with Canada, USA. Twelman has already set them up uh, this morning. Uh, we're recording this Friday morning right after the game, uh, saying Jonathan David, uh, Lil Stryker, carried, helped carry them to Liga and title last season. Uh, American-born, but plays for the Canadian national team, grew up in Canada, is the best striker in CONCACAF. So let's see if CBS spends any meaningful time on Sunday talking about the best striker in CONCACAF, which I, I don't think is even debatable at this point. It's Jonathan David. Um, my guess is they don't. 
So this is this is again goes back to the to the flaws in coverage. At least on ESPN, you have analysis of the other side. At least on ESPN, you have some sort of acknowledgement that there is a worthy opponent um, that the U.S. is playing on CBS. I haven't gotten that. Now you do get some of it on Fox. It depends who the U.S. is playing. Uh, I think uh, it, it all it absolutely depends on the opposition. Uh, but then at the same time, as you said earlier, and you're absolutely right, if the U.S. plays like they did in the first half against El Salvador, you go to halftime, Alexi Lalas uses the term, that's garbage. And where are these guys mentally and who will be very critical? I don't think you really get that on CBS. It's more like, a, oh, it's depressed. Oh, we're not playing well. Oh, we should have a goal. So I, I'm really interested to see how CBS follows up on all of this on, on Sunday because I think for as good as they've been at Serie A and Champions League, they've become almost equally uh, poor and myopic in their most recent uh, coverage of the U.S. men's national team. So I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So th- th- let's see how they do on Sunday, because it, it's a massive game, right? It, this is a game that, uh, for English language viewers in the United States, the only place to watch it is on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, it's my game of the weekend to, to watch. Uh, it's available on Spanish te- uh, television, too, through uh, Telemundo and Universo. But if you're English language and you want to watch English language coverage, Paramount Plus is exclusive for this game. I'm interested. Yeah, to me, I, I would love to see some uh, deeper discussions. Um, they're capable of doing it. They have the people there. Just It's just how are, are they going to be what we've seen in the past, which has been more lighthearted, a little bit more fun, a little bit more less analytical uh it, can they combine the two of them together uh and they usually throw in a surprise or two so let, let's see how it how it goes on sunday uh in that uh must watch game from me Kartik, what's your must watch game uh this weekend well it's actually coming up real quickly so you're gonna have to listen to this podcast uh, immediately after release huddersfield stoke 2:45 p.m today uh being friday the 28th on ESPN Plus. There are four more championship matches uh, this weekend on ESPN Plus in addition to a couple of uh, League One matches. So uh, check out ESPN Plus all weekend. Uh, this is the first time in my memory that the championship has played through an international break. Uh, obviously, Fulham, the, the leaders in the championship without Anthony Robinson, who scored the goal for the United States, uh, and who's having a phenomenal year in the championship. But a, a great opportunity for you to watch what I consider to be one of the best leagues in the world, even though it's a second division, and certainly the league maybe that I'm the most emotionally attached to in terms of watching in, in recent years. All right, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news, Kartik, and I'll have you kick it off. Yeah, no surprise here, but confirmed this week that Fubo uh, TV will stream Euro 2024 and Euro 2028 select games. No, these games are not going to 2B, as maybe some people had hoped, uh, because uh, of Fox's uh, in, uh, Fox's investment in Fubo, seed investment, of course, but their ownership of Tubi. Um, and this is a, a huge deal for Fubo. It keeps Fubo very, very relevant in the soccer space. You know, Fubo has become much more of a versatile, all all things streaming uh, platform in recent years. And remember, it's a company, as its name indicates, that started with, with an emphasis on this sport. Uh, so I think a pretty pretty big coup for Fubo and uh, and an incentive to, uh, to keep signups or, or if uh, – uh, there are people who have Fubo who thought of cutting the cutting Fubo because uh, La Liga is no longer on BN. Um, an incentive to keep Fubo. Yeah, and getting into the specifics a little bit more on this one, um, we've got the full story at WorldSoccerTalk.com that goes into an even deeper dive. But for Euro 2024, they will Fubo will have five games, uh, and then the remainder will be on uh, through the Fox Sports uh, channels on, on TV and probably the Fox Sports app. Uh, Euro 2028, same thing, five games from Fubo, and then the remainder on, on Fox Sports. Uh, but with the rights also, Fubo, do, Fubo TV does get uh, games from the UEFA Nations League, um, and their coverage starts, I, I believe, in June. Uh, also, the European qualifiers to both uh, Euro 2024 and Euro 2028. European qualifiers to the, the World Cup in 2026, and then friendly matches um, that are involving UEFA countries uh, up and through till 2028. It's interesting, too, because uh, Fubo uh, definitely, I mean, this is a major play for them, and, and this is a great partnership with them, with Fox Sports. Uh, Fubo is sub-licensing uh, the games, the coverage from Fox uh, presumably paying a lot of money for the rights to show these games. 
Um, and this week too, Fubo. I mean, we've mentioned we talked about USA uh, El Salvador um, on ESPN, but uh, Fubo Fubo's got all of the uh, Conmebol World Cup qualifiers, and uh, probably the best game I've seen on the international stage in years, maybe months, uh, definitely months, but maybe even years was the um, Ecuador against Brazil game on Thursday. Just a, a crazy, crazy, crazy game that ended one one. Uh, Allison, uh, the Liverpool goalkeeper, got sent off twice in the game, but both times uh, the referee went to the monitor for VAR and rescinded his decision. So Allison got the, uh, the get out of jail card twice. I mean, and that and plus there were two other players sent off. Ecuador's goalkeeper was sent off. Um, it sounds like it was a really physical game, but actually it was really entertaining. It was really, really good. And Ecuador uh, flying high right now and looking like they've got a really good chance of qualifying for 2020, well, the World Cup 2022. So, Kartik, moving on, there was a big piece uh, this week in Variety.com, which is um, kind of one of the go-to industry publications for Hollywood. And the headline story from Variety was Major League Soccer is wrong about the value of its rights. And this is a really, really deep dive into uh, discussing how MLS is seeking uh, a rights deal of about $300 million. Um, and, and, and this is something that uh, in the, the evaluation and analysis, they had tons of charts, graphs, everything. They broke it down and it said, actually, to us, us being Variety, um, the rights deal is probably worth about $150 million um, a season. And they had a lot of stuff in terms of how many people are watching games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and really had a really, really good analysis piece. So uh, it made me wonder, too, like how much demand is there really for MLS rights? It's not that there is a pent-up demand from soccer fans to watch the games, I don't believe. And it really comes down to we, we've been high. Both 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 you and I, Kartik, have been high as in kind of positive, optimistic about the MLS TV deal, because it really comes down to which streaming services need to add uh, quality content to the platforms to help build an audience. So if you're HBO Max and you want sports, you mean, okay, here's you mean for MLS, you can get hundreds of games. Uh, if you're a if you're Amazon, where you're trying to gobble up sports, again, here's a league that has hundreds of games. But when when it when it comes down to it, though, too, if you're a soccer fan, if you're a viewer, there's so many better leagues to choose from. I mean, around around the world, uh, of a higher quality. I mean, even everyone will tell you that. And most of the American stars that you want to see are playing overseas. So how can MLS grow? Uh, kind of the rights value, the value of their rights if the number of people watching the games are not as high as other leagues. And it'd be a different story if the MLS TV ratings were through the roof, which they're not. So so all these things point back to the variety piece where they, they think it's basically worth $150 million a year instead of the 300 that uh, MLS is uh, shooting for. What's your take, Kartik? Yeah, so I... I uh I tend to think that it's it's exa- it's over exaggerated. Maybe that MLS doesn't have um, a fan base or viewership. I think I, I, collectively, I think MLS probably has more fans in this country than the Premier League. I know you disagree with that. No, but way. I think that there are probably more. Yeah, I think there are more MLS fans than Premier League fans. Now, will they watch an MLS a random MLS match every week? No. But there are more fans that are aware. Maybe go to MLS games, etc. But. Again, the the the, and I, I actually don't think the Premier League fan base is much bigger than the TV numbers. And I think if you're uh, not watching the Premier League on television, you're just generally not interested in it. Um, but my point has always been when people come after us and say, "Well, you know, you guys are so this podcast is negative, your site's negative, uh, you guys are are, uh, are 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 not not fair to MLS." MLS themselves. In their negotiations for their last two media deals prior to this, have set an expectation that has been, I think, wholly unrealistic based on our reporting to uh, to to the networks. So they've set an expectation that uh, they will have uh, a million viewers per, per per national telecast. They've set the expectation that they have this this kind of unlimited growth and that they have numbers that are comparable to to other American professional sports or to the high, highest level American college sports. And that's just not the case. And the growth 
in spite of their expansion, in spite of all the new fans and sponsors they brought on board, and, and very much uh, a, applaud them for that, all the new fans that they brought on board who go to games, not necessarily watch matches, which is the key. Uh, and, and by the way, when I said that they're more MLS fans, I mean they're more MLS fans who will go to games or will casually open the newspaper and see the standings than Premier League fans. But there are more there are plainly more people watching the Premier League on television in the U.S. than MLS. I'm not disputing that. If we're talking about purely from a television standpoint, uh, the Premier League is bigger in the U.S., but I think they're more overall a bigger pie of MLS fans. But the fact is, they have not delivered on the numbers that they that they internally said they would deliver they have not delivered on uh the growth that they themselves claimed that they would deliver on they are not one of the top leagues in 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 the world in 2022 they are not one of the most visible leagues in the world in 2022 they have made progress they've been better at developing players you have uh several examples alfonso davies maybe the most visible example of a of a high level player developed by mls sold to a top team in europe but they are not where they claimed they'd be publicly, when Don Garber has made speeches in the past about where they'd be in 2022, which for wh- whatever reason, Chris, was a benchmark year for them. That This year, this, this exact year, 2022, was used over and over again in rhetoric about the league in 2010 and 2012 and 2014 when uh, Garber spoke, and where they promised their media partners they'd be. So then how realistically and logically could their media rights deal without the U.S. piece of it, with that being taken out be worth four times what it previously was it's just not logical now i've very positively said uh, on their behalf i like the league's cup concept i think it, it will move the needle in terms of tv rights i do like the idea with with the rsn's falling away that they're going to bundle local rights and, and see what they do with that but that doesn't uh, account for a fourfold increase i think maybe in terms of television scope Maybe double what they got last time, but not four times what they got. So, I, I one fifty or so is probably the right number. Yeah, I think for those, like, so if you're an executive from HBO Max and you go into a meeting with MLS and, and you say, "Hey, we're interested in in the uh, MLS TV deal. Come talk to us about what's available. Uh, show us some of the numbers. Let, let, let's talk about that about this." And this HBO Max executive might have no idea about soccer maybe his kid or his daughter plays soccer and and that's about it so no no background in the game i can guarantee you that mls would blow him away as far as the stats the graphs the presentation they could look and say okay like look at the sponsorships look at the growth of the game in, in the united states and look at all the expansion cities that we're, we're going into look at how we're going to be going into las vegas Look, we've got Miami. We said we'd get Miami. We've got it. There's a stadium in the works. All these things, all these all the sponsorships, um, major deals, gambling uh, partnerships. So for somebody that doesn't really know the real the reality, I think they can be swayed, and they think, okay, wow, this is this is something serious. We need to get in on this. This is the future, and I think the reality for me is a different perspective. The reality is that a lot of these numbers skew things. So if MLS talks about uh, how it's been pivotal in the growth of the game in this country, I would say that the growth of the, the, the game, soccer in this country, more so has been a result of Liga MX, US men's national team, Mexican national team, Premier League in many ways, right? And, and then MLS is part of that too, but it's, it's a smaller percentage and much smaller than what MLS would, would say, that, that we're the reason that the, the game has grown this way. Now, from a business point of view, the way that MLS is run, structured, um, a marketing machine in some ways, in terms of the way it works, uh, the way it controls the, the game in this country, uh, its work with the Soccer United marketing, its marketing arm, the way it's worked with U.S. soccer, and what it's done – it's made a lot of money off this game. But I, I would say that, that I don't think that um, it's as strong as what it appears. But if, if, if there is a lot of demand from these streaming companies for to get in on, on quantity of games, not the quality, but quantity of games, uh, as well as some, uh, TV coverage too, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this could be greater than $150 million a year. It just depends on, on how many streaming companies are not desperate, but just eager to, to get in on this. All right, Kartik, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, so uh, this week on uh, on Netflix, three-part documentary that a lot of people have been talking about, Neymar, The Perfect Chaos, and there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about whether uh, this documentary, because Neymar is, I think, more controversial than Messi or Ronaldo when it comes down to it in this era. Yeah, so, so this documentary... Uh, Features a lot, uh, from what I understand. I haven't watched it yet. I, pl- I do plan to watch it, by the way, in the next, probably by the time we do our next podcast. Um, features a number of interviews with players he's played with and a number of interviews with his father, who we know is a hugely influential figure uh, in, his, in terms of his career and representing him. And the big question from what I've seen in terms of discussions about this documentary is, uh, is Neymar a jerk or is he just flamboyant? And that's the answer we're hoping to get after watching three parts. And I guess everybody will come to their own conclusion, everyone who watches it. But that's really kind of the, the drift and why I, this documentary to me is much more interesting than watching that Cristiano Ronaldo love movie a few years ago that was in theaters or uh, any, any documentary about Messi. Uh, uh, the Maradona thing, as we talked about last week or two weeks ago, has been overdone now. So Neymar is the logical next figure to... Um, who's hugely controversial to look at. So I, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I would... L- and it's streaming now, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's, it's out there. It's, um, I would say, Kartik, that I would be more eager to watch this if it was done by somebody independent. Because it, it, without even watching it, I, I will watch it too, or attempt to watch it. But without even watching it, it, it feels like it's going to be a PR effort it's it, it, to try to uh get viewers and soccer fans feeling like okay well actually Neymar's misunderstood and um wasn't it Nic- Nicholas Anelka had the documentary on Netflix about a year ago I, was, I think it was called Mr. Misunderstood where it yeah and then the Neymar one is kind of to, to get a, a better understanding of the individual the person the person behind kind of uh, the name so to speak but it it feels like without even watching it, it feels like a, like a puff piece. It feels like something that one of the um, sporting manufacturers kind of said, like, "Hey, let, let's go into partnership here. Uh, you've got to deal with Puma. Puma, we will put in some money to fund this, and this will help uh, help you, Neymar, but also will help uh, Puma." But yeah, I, I should give I should give it a benefit of doubt too. <laughs> I haven't yet, but I should just to to, to see it and see whether or not. Um, it is what it is, or if it's something def- different, maybe I learned something from this about about Neymar the player. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm looking forward to it and, and uh, have planned to watch it. It's just a question of whether it's actually going to satisfy and answer questions. Uh, he's compelling, though. So the thing is, it will probably maintain my interest, but at the end, I might just say, ah, this was propaganda. All right, let's move on. Listen to Mailbag. Um, so on last week's topic about clubs or leagues going direct to, to consumer, Dave says this. Dave says the direct-to-consumer model uh, and, and that's basically rather than uh, us subscribing to, say, NBC Sports to get the Premier League. Why doesn't the Premier League just do uh, deals exclusively directly with the consumer? So you can subscribe to the Premier League television and see all the games or, or, or even on a club basis, subscribe to your club's uh, TV channel and see all the games without having to go through an NBC or a CBS or a Fox. Uh, Dave says the direct consumer model is interesting and may merit a more detailed discussion. Among other things, there are trade-offs related to the depth and breadth of interest of the potential audience. Some companies accept rather onerous terms to be included uh, within uh, Amazon and Walmart. Some choose to only sell direct. Some use a hybrid model, etc., often for good reason. The same may be true when considering optimal models for a sports league. In a touch of interesting timing, I was listening to the podcast uh, last week as Josh Sargent scored a Galasso and, and another goal for Norwich. Uh, the first occurred as I was listening to Kartik share his thoughts about U.S. players in Europe versus Major League Soccer. What are the odds? Also, I'm listening to the podcast and Kartik mentioned the challenge of following NCAA basketball as games bounce around channels. There is an equivalent uh, to the schedules component of World Soccer Talk for NCAA football and basketball. No podcasts or articles or anything like that. Uh, Just a nice grid of who's playing, what time and what channel. I believe there are a few others, but this is my go-to companion for NCAA watching. It's uh, GameViewingGuide.com. 
I have no affiliation to the site other than as a user. Please pass along uh, to Kartik or anyone else trying to keep up with the NCAA. So there you go, oh, Kartik. Thank you, Dave, for that. We talked yeah. about basketball, uh, a world basketball talk. We don't need it. We've got gameviewingguide.com. Next up, uh, BN Sports' AFCON coverage, Af- Africa Cup of Nations. Turfit mentions, he says, I'm usually defending BN Sports, but I must agree that BN has dropped the ball on the Africa Cup of Nations. I do not like commercials during the match, but since it's only on the extra channel, their free channel, I understand. But my biggest complaint is that they cut completely away from the match. Why not leave the match on in a small window during the commercial? BN also seems to be having issues with the feed coming from Africa in at least two of the matches I was watching. I'm assuming this issue is with um, with CAF, um, the African Federation, and not BN, but I could be wrong. An easy way to sum up the tournament so far, uh, both the play and the commentary bro- and broadcast, is Senegal won their group by scoring only one goal. Mercator says, bang on, what is, what is BN doing uh, not showing live games from one of the, big, the few big properties they have? Putting them on the BN uh, Sports Extra channel with commercials is worse for me, for the fan, and certainly harder to find. They don't even have a banner on the main channel saying tune to uh, BN Extra for AFCON. Um, I've been chatting and, and people don't think the game is on because they tuned to be in sports and it's, it's the Turkish league or something and they figured the match is not being broadcast. I don't see how it makes business sense. It's not like they have other stuff to show. The commentary is not, is not consistent. Sometimes it goes out for five to ten minutes and a few times it hasn't been aligned with the crowd noise. So the announcer is much louder or quieter than the crowd. Really poor. No real recap uh, or pregame either. The Express program is still all legal, League One reviews, almost nothing on AFCON. It's been an entertaining tournament, though, and with Ghana and Algeria out there, there have been upsets. Kartik, it, it, it's interesting. I'm not sure if you've caught this. You, you may not have, but um, what BN Sports has been doing, like the last, definitely the last few weeks, I think it's been going for a few months now, but they have uh, a program called Welcome to, to Qatar. It's a documentary. Yes. <laughs> it's not really a documentary, well, but yes. It's a documentary in quotation marks. So what's your take on I mean, So first of all, what is it? And, and uh, what's your take on it so far? I, I'm, in, I'm interested. Well, they've, they've, they've enlisted some of the biggest names in football. It's funny, Xavi's not on there anymore because Xavi's now managing Barcelona. But he would have been the headliner, I think, if this had started earlier because he was uh, effectively shilling for Qatar himself. Um, they're featuring these, these, these footballers, right, famous footballers, uh, to, to effectively uh, propagandize uh, Qatar as a nation state. I, it's really um, kind of distasteful. And it's airing on a channel owned by uh, – sorry, I shouldn't be laughing about this. It's actually not funny. But it, it's, 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 it's laughable in its brazenness is my view. Um, and they're airing it on a, on a channel that's owned by the Qatari royal, royal family. Yeah, it's, it's comedy gold. If, if, if you, the listener, have not seen it yet, uh, it airs usually in between the AFCON games. Uh, but it's called Welcome to Qatar or Welcome to Qatar. And the ones I've seen, they had uh, Peter Schmeichel in it, uh, Arsene Wenger and Ruud Hullet. And what it is, is just like a really just it's a propaganda piece. What it is, is, is really you see the players kind of walking through uh, the streets and maybe going into a museum. And there's somebody there talking about the history of Qatar and how small of a country it is. And. And Schmeichel talking about how, how he's so looking forward to, to being uh, you mean there for the World Cup and how wonderful it is and, and uh, isn't it isn't it great about um, everyone in, in Qatar is going to be able to enjoy this and this is going to be wonderful for the Middle East this is going to be you mean these these types of things where the reality is human rights abuses th- uh, through you mean through the max right f- from Qatar from last you know last decade yeah. but the la- last several years in building all these stadiums and infrastructures for the World Cup. It's such, I mean, and not any mention of any of that at all. So it's, uh, I, I'm just waiting for the episode with Alexi Lalas. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, you, you, it kind of feels like it's going to come and it's going to be like Alexi saying like, well, you mean, this is the United States. You mean, we, we had an idea of what Qatar was, but I went to Qatar and it, it was, it blew my mind. I had no idea it was going to be this wonderful. Uh, it is so, so sugar-coated, so, you mean, just, just 
over the top. It, it's so bad, it, it's funny. Uh, but also sad. It is very sad because it's it's an obvious attempt by uh, being sports, which is you mean owned by Cutter to do this propaganda piece to to enlighten people about Cutter, the history of the country and the the culture and you mean and it's interesting too because if in the, in the episodes where you see them walking through the streets or they're walking through public places, you never see anyone. You never see the public. You never see – all you see is these palaces and, and just uh, just really, I mean, newly built structures. But you never see any people. You just see, you mean, Schmeichel or Ruth Hulett or Arsene Wenger and then whoever the, the, the local cutter person is to, to explain what it is that we're seeing. Oh, gosh. Anyway, if you get a chance to watch it, it, it is pretty bad. Um, last but not least, uh, Jason has uh, some words about the Russian Premier League. And he says, the Russian Premier League has their games on YouTube, something I learned last year listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, in fact. They have one game each week uh, each week with no commentary. I love it. Makes it replayable, too. I would love uh, sports to expand their offers for games with no commentary. Uh, Major League MLB TV used to have that for their baseball games, but I don't think it's there anymore. Media companies seem to be scared of this. It's the one thing that has consumer demand uh, that they won't meet. If you've got something you want to ask us, listeners, uh, on the show, if you have any questions, feedback, anything <laughs> in terms of soccer coverage, we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to get your opinions about a lot of the things that we've been talking about today, everything from Taylor Twelman to ESPN coverage to uh, CBS Sports, uh, USMNT, uh, YouTube uh, crazy guys, um, which which for me, Kartik, I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe we live in two different universes because I don't see those people on Twitter. I know that they exist, but I don't get. Luckily, I I don't get uh, a lot of like the hate or kind of just the the crazy comments. They have they, they and they, these people have huge followings. They have hundreds of likes of anything. You know, in fact, one person told me to delete my account uh, four months ago. At that point, I should have stopped following the national team completely. But I got encouraged by uh, actually for some very prominent members of the media. I'm not going to name them, but people who said, you know, you're right, and 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 we feel the same way. Um, that that these people get and so the, the the thing asking me to delete my account had like 200 likes, and these people tend to have 300 or 400 likes per ridiculous take, which will be like, oh, Pulisic is much better than Mason Mount, but Thomas Tuchel is anti-American, so he doesn't play him, and then 400 likes, or, uh, you know, uh, Weston McKinney is better than, uh, you know, name, Phil, better than Paul Pogba, it, it, just garbage, and, and, and the thing is, they then get personal, this is the thing I don't like, okay, because I don't see this except in the fringes of club supporters' basis, we know people say, oh, Liverpool fans are hard-edged, Spurs fans are, have some sort of complex about them. Uh, Barcelona fans are like this, but I see a lynch mob every single time they, they engage with someone who pushes back on them. They make it very personal. They then impugn the motivations and motives of these people. Then they also have YouTube channels, each of these people I'm talking about, where they... Um, are very nasty and personal and, and horrifically, and I'm a person who's a critic of MLS. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that. They are horrifically unfair to MLS and horrifically unfair to, um, to, Amer- to coaches who happen to be American or have American accents, right? So they, um, it, it's very toxic. It's, it's like nothing I've ever seen in any other fan base in any sport. And they have... They people amplify their opinions, so um, I think a lot of the coverage, uh, a lot of the the commentary from the people on television, are reflective of this. They have they feel like they have to overcompensate to push back on it, and, and well, I understand that. I respect. I, w- I wonder though too if some of it, some of the TV coverage actually fuels it. I mean, whether there is certainly. Well, well, that's true, too. There's certainly the reality of where this U.S. men's national team is and and at the the playing level versus the expectations are so far apart, right? Um, Now, the next game, it might might be reversed. It might be that the expectations are much lower because it's Canada, it's a tougher team, it's an away match, and the U.S. might, might win it. Two nothing, three nothing, and blow us away. But uh, it's been inconsistent. I mean, the the way the U.S. plays, but but that reality is is so different. What I would say, though, Kartik, is that um, 
But, but go ahead. These are people I don't think. I, I, these are people who I don't think actually watch Chelsea matches or Juventus matches or um, or matches of Leipzig. Right? That's where uh, uh, Taylor uh, Tyler Adams is. Any American player, they are watching highlights. They don't watch games the way we've traditionally watched games. Right? They don't watch ninety minutes. They see this guy is not uh, tracking back uh, or not making the run off the ball, or maybe his fitness level isn't as high as it needs to be. Maybe he's mentally not always there. So they're watching highlight. Clips, and then they're making assumptions about highlight clips uh, uh, and, and, and projecting this and then attacking any media member or fan who doesn't agree with their view, uh, claiming that they have some ulterior motive or some sort of agenda or they're working for MLS or, or whatever. I yeah. mean, so it's, it's just very toxic. Horrible. So what I, what I would say is this is a safe zone. So any listeners, uh, if you do have any feedback, any questions, or if you disagree with us, that's, that's fine. It, it's, we're not always right. Trust me. Um, so, so definitely, uh, let's let's keep that communication going because that's our favorite part of the show. And uh, again, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always go to the website worldsoccertalk.com and post your comments there. One, one more thing before we go too is that um, – the last few weeks we've been kind of modifying the release of the podcast episodes so so every thursday usually uh Kartik and i will uh go deep talking about uh, tv soccer media um really kind of th- these issues and then on mondays what we've been doing is having kyle uh release a new episode and sometimes that's um, an in- interview such as we had this past week with derek ray uh, other times uh, it's actually a deep dive about a bigger topic. So whether it's uh, a fan's voice in clubs, in clubs, or um, the MLS playoff system, and and uh, and so forth. So that's that's the schedule we're going to be keeping as kind of that Thursday, this regular podcast uh, talking about the uh, soccer media, TV coverage, streaming coverage, news, etc. And then Mondays talking about a bigger topic uh, and or an interview. All right. Kartik, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, where can listeners find you on uh, Twitter if they want to send you some, some, some nice, polite, intellectual uh, tweets rather than the crazy mob? Yeah, uh, KKFLA737, and uh, yes, I stand by my, my statement that you have to be careful about Gio Reyna, because now we've got, after this window, we would have had 12 qualifiers in the books without him playing a minute. So uh, that's the thing that triggered this whole thing against me, although it's been going on for uh, for uh, a couple of years now, actually, on Twitter and YouTube. But I became a target when I said, hey, if I'm a, if I'm a manager, based on, if I'm a Berhalter, based on the past history of taking John O'Brien half fit to a World Cup, taking Gio Reyna's dad half fit to a World Cup, taking Gucci, uh, Gucci and, 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 and Stu Holden half fit to a World Cup, maybe you think twice about a guy that hasn't played much in qualifying. Well, um, hundreds of people thought I should delete my account for saying that. So, uh, yeah, if you don't want, if, you, if you're more intellectually inclined than that, KKFLA737. Uh, if not, please don't at me. Okay. Wise words there from Kartik Krishnar. And, and, and Kartik, heading into another weekend, we've got some big football from around the world. Uh, the club game, there's a lot of women's soccer on. There's, like you mentioned too, championship soccer. Uh, also, I think League One, League Two, as well as uh, French Cup. Uh, and of course, uh, World Cup qualifiers from around the world. What are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football.